you say, God bless you. It's the best thing we can say. And we're thankful that you are here this morning. And the Lord willing, I'm going to be speaking. Amen. Amen. Uh, I, the deacons have some pads. And in case you don't have a slip of paper that you'd like to make a note on, because I have quite a number of references, and it would be good for you to jot those down so you can go back to it. I do that frequently. You may wonder what we're writing. Brother Tom was preaching in the last several services. And in the last service, he actually made a summary, but maybe you weren't getting it. Uh, you would have to have attended the other services. But uh, on the first service, he spoke on, and the reason I'm mentioning that is because it will tie into, in a way it will tie into uh, what I have to say to you today. But he spoke on, hear ye him. And that was, that was the important uh determination within our hearts to hear him not hear just a local vocal voice uh, but to hear him uh, that's the key of of the message and then in the second service he spoke on uh, how God gives the ability or ears to hear and to understand. And Jesus said, Blessed are your ears, for they hear, and for your eyes, which they see. So, he's making a distinction. Some see, some don't see. Some hear, some don't hear. And then, uh, the last service, God has a purpose. And I thought that was very, very important. God has a purpose in saying it. And then we that are given ears to hear, we hear it, and eyes to see, and we see it, and then we become instruments in the hand of God to fulfill his purpose. And that's, that was the reason he spoke in the first place. So I thought that was really wonderful. And uh, thank you, Brother Tom, for those services. Uh, And this evening, Brother Tim Dodd will take the pulpit and uh, put the icing on the cake, I hope, (laughs) if there's any cake to put icing on. (laughs) Anyway, so I'm glad to be here and to be able to spend this time with you. I want to speak this morning on a subject that... uh, is very different, really, and yet it's very, very, uh, you're very accustomed to it. You've heard it many times, and the word is predestination. Say, oh, I believe that. Well, I'm glad you do. But now we're going to find out what it really is, and I think it'll be a bit of a surprise to you. It was to me. <clears throat> it'll be a surprise to you to know how it was approached by the messenger, how he approached it, and why he approached it. It's all in God's great plan. 
Do you know that predestination happens to be one of the major, major uh, doctrines that goes in two different directions? And one doesn't want to believe it in the sovereignty of God. Uh, and uh, it's called Calvin. I'm going to show it to you on the screen because I want you to be able to read it yourself and and understand what this is. And if you have some questions about it, which you probably will have or should have, jot the question down. And uh, either some God will raise up a ministry and he'll touch on it or... The Holy Spirit will reveal it to you in as you walk in your life, and uh, he'll make it known to you, and that's wonderful. Uh, so, in speaking on uh, predestination, and you'll understand a lot more about it by the time we're, we're through this morning, uh, as I said, it was a two major thoughts. One is, you know, you make your own choice. And God's grace allows you just to make your own decisions. And I want to explain that. I, I look upon predestination as, as a broad subject out here. And God has sovereignly done things. And right away, you know, the human, the human mind is, they don't want to be told what to do. Well, I just want to introduce some couple things to you. You, a lot of you are married. A lot of you have children, your fathers, your mothers, etc., etc. Let me tell you, talk to you as parents. Uh, we are parents, I and my wife. My wife is here today. And we're happy that uh, the devil's been defeated and that pneumonia has gone. And uh, she feels up to being here. So I'm glad she's here. But we have a, a, a large family, thanks to our three daughters. And uh, there, none of us had a whole bunch of kids at once. But uh, three plus three plus, you know, plus nine plus a few more. And anyway, I'm told... I'm told it's around 53 uh, total great-grandchildren and grandchildren and so on. So it's not, it's not a family anymore. It's a tribe. I now have gone to a tribe, and from a tribe we will go to a village, and I hope that's as far as it goes. But anyway, uh, you know, we are really helpless when it comes to our children. Oh, so your wife's pregnant. Oh. Uh, what, what kind of a child is it going to be? I don't know. Oh, you mean to tell me something that important and God hasn't asked your input into it? Uh, you're instrumental in bringing it, but you don't know the color of the hair, the color of the eyes, the kind of temperament it's going to be. You don't know anything. You don't know whether it'll have any skills or whether it'll have any special gifts or whether it'll be smart or, you know, <laughs> dumb, whatever. Whether it'll be skilled and go places in the university or, you know, and reach some kind of stardom. You don't know any of those things. And God hasn't consulted with you or whoever God is. He hasn't consulted with you on that. 
And you don't even know if it's a boy or a girl. Now, now it's been born and now you're really smart and you're going to instruct it and tell it which way it's going to go. But then even then you're not too sure what it's going to do. Is it going to be a credit? And I just say, Father, uh, you know all about us. <laughs> you know all about us. You brought us here and we are here to fulfill your purpose. And I trust that this morning we'll do some of that. I'm going to read scripture in a few moments, but I want to put up two or three slides first. And uh, <clears throat> I wonder if we can have the lights down. I don't want you to miss. He said, well, we've read the scripture before. That's, that's, that's not, that's in the past. Today is today. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. We know that all things work together for good. It doesn't say all things are good, but all things will work together for good. It might be very bad in your estimation. It could be very bad. It might be very difficult. It could be very painful. But uh, some of our best experiences are difficult. Uh, but it works for the good to them that are called according to his purpose. For whom, and now here is the key word to the whole subject. I want you to be listening. For whom he did foreknow, and this is the emphasis Brother Branham puts on it, foreknow, whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. So he foreknew them, it was what he knew about you, that he allows us to be predestinated, to be conformed to the image of his son, that's what we're predestinated for that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Those are the reasons of his purpose. So that we will be uh, resurrected. Oh, there's so many things I want to say. But that's why Brother Brown talks about this message coming as a resurrection of Jesus Christ. How many of you have heard tapes and you've heard him say, uh, now, that we might prove that he's raised from the dead. There's a resurrection. In the message is a resurrection. And you've had a resurrection. It was predestinated that you should hear the message for the purpose of participating in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And furthermore, to resurrect you, that you may be a part of his family that he may be the brethren, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, 
them he also justified. Tutfani, it's end of subject. He has justified the people. Amen. We want to say glory be to God. Right away your mind says, oh, well, I've been this and I've been that. But this is what God has said. He has justified you. This is all in his plan and in his program. And them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Not them minus two, or them minus ten, or them minus some denomination. It is them he also justified, and them he also glorified. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Isn't that perfect? Now, and I, I, I just wanted to read because I was, I'm interested to know and curious to know why this has to be such a, a monstrous subject. Well, if you read about, if you want to go into the International Bible Encyclopedia, it will tell you that uh, and Brother Bram talks about Calvinism and Arminianism. That's the two sides. <clears throat> now, uh, it, it will tell you that there's the Lutheran aspect. There's a Reformed aspect of predestination. There's a Lutheran aspect. And incidentally, I want to say to you that our Sunday school teachers and to you that are teachers in BCA, you are teachers of these children that have been birthed into, whether it be this fellowship or these people, they are their parents or their grandparents, whatever more, do honor to God by taking these truths that have come over this pulpit and break it down for our children. Not that you make it a, a, a preaching service, that's not it, but you just encourage them on in, in this way. Life is not difficult. Life is difficult for them. Life is very, very harsh. The world is very harsh. And uh, living this life and making its decisions are very difficult and very complicated and emotionally uh, uh, have an emotional effect upon our children. So prepare them. Do your very best to prepare them in the Sunday school classes and in the uh, teaching. Uh, we had a, a sister here some years ago, and she said, I listen to the preaching that comes over the pulpit, and then I seek to take it that and break it down so it can be understood by the children, small children in the classes. And I thought that was very, very nice. And I would like to suggest that to you to be sure that this is what's in your heart. I want to live and I just want to say some things that will prepare our young people for the things that they're going to face. We've just graduated, had quite a number graduate, and uh, they're going to various higher levels of education, whatever more. Uh, it, it, it might benefit you. I, it might. Because it, when you 
When you go into an office and you say you've graduated from such and such a place, from UBC, SFU, or University of Washington, Western Washington, or whatever more, that means something to the world, but it doesn't mean a whole lot to you. Because you have gotten, you're tied into an education that is so far beyond what the man could. And so in this encyclopedia, when I read it, I just read it to maybe learn something or get a tidbit of, uh, sometimes I read something to say, why did you people miss, how could you miss whom he foreknew? How, how could you miss that and make such a monstrous problem out of predestination? And so here comes the messenger. And incidentally, maybe I even have a <clears throat> and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans. And unto, if you have a pen and you want to put a piece of paper down, This is not unto Joe Blow across the street. This is unto the messenger of the church of the Laodiceans. Right. These things saith the Amen. That's so be it. The faithful and true witness. That's what he is. The beginning of the creation of God. God doesn't make a mistake, but man might make a mess of things. And so God started again. He started with the creation of God. This is important. The beginning of the creation of God. And this is at the end of Revelation, Revelation 21, 5 and 6. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold... I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these things are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega. That's the beginning and the end. The beginning and the end. And I will give unto him that is a thirst... Of the fountain of the water of life freely. I trust you are thirsting this morning. And you say, oh God, uh, giver of life. Whoever you are, if you're visiting or just happen to be in this service, there's one thing that you want to desire. God. Jesus, how should we pray? The disciples said. Notice what he said. Say, our Father. And I said to myself this morning, Jesus, I'm so glad you said that. Your Father is my Father. Our Father, which art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. I didn't come here for a show. I didn't come here to be some skilled person. I just came here to further your kingdom. That's my purpose. Help me. Help me, Lord. Help me, Father, to glorify your kingdom and advance your kingdom. In fact, is I'm tired of these people 
that make promises and can't keep them. And they go into churches and they want to do good things and they want to bring people to truth. But they don't have access to the truth. You have given us access. You have confirmed it. And he said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the water of life freely. Now, if you'd like to stand, I want to read some scripture. Turn to please to Romans, the ninth chapter, and you can turn the lights up, please. Romans, the ninth chapter. We're going to read at verse, starting at verse seven. Down to verse 17, those 10 verses. Heavenly Father, now as we read your scripture, written by the Apostle Paul, Father, give us understanding. I pray you'll take away every doubt. I pray you'll take away every human reasoning where the people will say, Father, I just open myself up to the will of the Holy Spirit. Come, O Spirit of God. Anoint the speaker and anoint me to hear in Jesus' name. And he that opened the eyes and the understanding of the disciples after the resurrection Come in this resurrection and open my eyes and my understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Verse 7 of Romans 9. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. In Isaac, he was promised, shall thy seed be called? I will call them by the promise. That is, they that are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for seed. That's absolute. Nothing you can do, nothing about that. For this is the word of promise. At this time will I come, and Sarah shall have a son. Notice now, in fact, there's this great question about what's right and what's wrong, and can God predestinate or can't he predestinate? You mean, don't I have a choice? Well, you do within certain you can make wrong decisions. You can make right decisions. And, but there's a, a certain limitation. No one can do away with God's right to making a decree. And he makes certain decrees, and that's all there is to it. Whom I bless, I bless. Period. Finish. He's not asking anybody's assistance, or he's not asking anybody's our recognition of it, oh, we'll honor him. He doesn't care whether you honor or you disgrace them. 
Whom I bless, I bless. And whom he curses, he curses. That's all there is to it. For this is the word of promise at this time. Will I come and Sarah shall have a son. That's all there is to it. And not only this, but when Rebecca also had conceived by one, and we've conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, for the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, and not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger. They're not even born yet. She doesn't even know who they are. Said the younger shall serve the elder. And and she doesn't even know who they are, or the elder shall serve the younger, I'm sorry. The elder shall serve the younger. And it is written, Jacob have I loved, and Esau have I hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this, uh, this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all of the earth. I, I want to shock you a wee bit. Pharaoh was in the predestination. He was predestinated to become great. He was predestinated to be one that God, who was delivering Israel, would show his power in. And he did do that. And to his own destruction, but he made decisions. I will not let the people go. So that was his decision. But the ultimate was, God made the ultimate determination. I've raised you up. I've made you powerful. God makes America what America is supposed to be. God makes the rest of the nations what they are supposed to be. And God will raise people up. They may be make their own decisions as to what they're going to do. It's fine. But in the end, in the end, it's God's purpose that will be fulfilled. Amen. You may be seated. How far back does predestination go? To our date of birth or prior to our date of birth? Now, if you understand, and I'm, I'm standing here today uh, with a very, very deep burden, and that is that you will see and appreciate how the message came. And I want to tie it to the scripture that says, Write 
to the messenger of Laodicean church. Write these things to him and tell him, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. So Brother Branham comes on the scene and I have some of his earlier uh, thoughts and messages. He said, uh, he said concerning, uh, the predestination, he says there's two schools of thought. This is in 1955 and the waters of separation. This is early in his ministry. Now keep that in your mind. Watch how he's approaching this subject. Write to the messenger of the church. That was way back then. And here we are today, living in the days that the messenger came. So now you need to really grasp, if you want to understand, what the messenger, how he did this. There's two schools of thought. One of them is Calvinistic, and the other one is Armenian. Well, of course, you know, I belonged to the Calvinistic school. So then, being a Baptist, so so then, what it did, both of them run out on limbs. Both of them run out on limbs. One went to seed this way, and one went to seed the other way. But I think the book of Ephesians... So now I read, I began reading the book of Ephesians last night. And I would recommend to this congregation that you go home and read the book of Ephesians. Uh, but I think that the book of Ephesians brings them both right back and puts them in the, in the stump where they belong. Puts them back in the tree where they belong. So I really like the book of Ephesians. It kind of keeps us straightened out. Brethren in our theology does it. The book of Ephesians. And I like it real well. I thought that that's good for us. Read that book. It's only five chapters, I think. And, and then in 55, the same year, He's writing, and I'd like, I'd like you to note, pay special note. He said, where I think Pentecost failed. That's the title. Where I think Pentecost failed. Now he's speaking here of what God did for us before the foundation of the world. Now I realize that I'm talking to both Calvinists and Armenians. He's starting very early in his ministry. He says, I realize, and here the angel of God speaking to John 2,000 years ago, write these things for the messenger of the seventh church and have him say this, tell this, tell him who's talking. And here he is 2,000 years ago, and you're sitting here listening, and I'm sitting there reading his message last night, and you're free to listen, listen to it or hear it, and you can hear him fulfilling what the angel of the Lord told John to write to this messenger. Tell him. And now here he's starting out, and he's saying, 
both the Calvinists and the Armenians, and I'm a Calvinist. He was born in this age, the same as you are. And as long as Calvin stays in the Bible, then after that, I'm an Armenian. As long as Calvin stays in the Bible, then if he leaves that, then I'm an Armenian. I believe in the grace of God to keep the believer. But I believe that the believer has to have enough grace of God to stay with God. I believe in security of the church. I believe the church hath security. And if you're in the church, you're secured with the church. As long as you're in the church, stay in. Don't be in. Don't be wandering around, tossed about by everything. Stay in Christ Jesus And God has foreordained that the church should appear before him, before him holy, blameless, without spot or wrinkle, no matter whether you are, whether you make it or, uh, or I make it. God's going to have a church without spot or blemish. I trust that, uh, we'll all be there. But we each have to seek out our own salvation with fear and trembling. And then in the infallibility of God's spoken word in 56, he says these things. Those who he has called, he hath already justified. Those he hath justified, he hath, he had already glorified. That's right. That's where we get grace and works mixed up. Here's the whole thing in the Armenian and Calvinistic belief. Grace is what God does for you. Works is what you do for God. It's grace that brings you to God. It's the works that you do for God. Works is what we do for God. And you'll never give, you'll never, you'll never put um, that ahead of the grace that God. And, and works will never seem like any works. You say, oh, I, I just did what I thought I should do. We don't feel we earn anything by that. All right, now. I want to show you slide number one. Let's see. said, and we're going to speak on a subject. Uh, we're going to speak on a subject in the book of Ephesians, which is very a very treacherous thing. Look how he's approaching it. He's letting the people know this is a very treacherous thing. And it's not at all 
sent to the unbeliever. If you're an unbeliever here in the congregation, I certainly don't know everyone. But if you don't believe, that is, uh, that's supreme. You say, well, I can just sit here and figure it out for myself. You go right ahead. Been a lot smarter people than you. Way ahead of time. Way before you. Smart, smart people. Morally good people. Righteously living people. That's not what this is. This is the grace of God. God. We have to come to a place where we say, God Almighty is God. He does what he's pleased to do. And there isn't a thing in the world you can do about it. He does what pleases him. And it's not sent to the unbeliever. It's dedicated. It's dedicated. This is completely to the believer. Ephesians 1, 3 to 5. Now, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. So it goes before we will talk a little bit about your birth, but it goes way beyond that. You young ladies that are here and young men that are here, your parents didn't have a thing to do with who you are. You might have some of their traits, as I do. You have some of their appearance, as you do. And you may have some of your mother's traits or some of your father's traits, but they had no hand in that, determining that. There is another intelligence who has produced you, and you've got to come to the place where you say, I am who I am, and I am by the grace of God what I am, and whatever I am, whatever I can be, I will just be the best I can for the kingdom of God. It's not this world. This world is rank. This world is sinful, and this world is bent on hell. It's bent to go there, and I, I don't plan to go there. It's not my, as, as Marilyn wrote in the song, I don't feel welcome here anymore. In this world, I don't feel welcome. It's, uh, the, the, the uh, education isn't taking me really the way I want to go. The whole system is not, I just don't feel welcome. It's not my kind of place. I am a citizen of another country. I'm a citizen of a holy place. And I, I desire leaders that will stay by their word and be able to keep their promises. And you know, there is a kingdom such as that. It's called the kingdom of God. And God says, yeah, I have a, I have chosen you as a peculiar people. You're not to feel at home. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us I wonder if we could say that. Having 
predestinated us. Do you include yourself in the us? Yes, I certainly do. I must do that because I am a believer of this word. Even when there are times when you feel very destitute and very distant from God, that is irrelevant to being able to agree with what God has said. He has predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the purpose, the good pleasure of his will. I'm here. You are here. We are in church here to hear these things that we can benefit the kingdom of God. And if my part is to encourage my children or encourage you or whatever my part is, we'll do that with a willingness and we trust God will bless it. And don't be caught up in the fact that who you're going to marry or who who you're going to have as children or whatever. There are things that take place that... Uh, I will say, make your decisions, godly decisions. Now, there's nothing wrong with what I'm saying. I know that that's correct. Make them godly decisions. Do the best you can. And if you make a mistake, don't stop. Put another bullet in the gun and pull the trigger. Amen. Amen. All right. So he starts talking about this subject. The messenger to this church age goes back to the record of creation, showing predestination to the children of the new creation. No, you've got to think, I, I've been churning this around my mind, trying to, I, I want to be very specific. I've been trying to say, now, is that really what I want to say? Is that really what I feel God telling me in my heart? And so this was the best I can do. The messenger to this church age, he goes back. Well, when he goes back, he says, this is a very treacherous subject. When he goes back, he actually says, uh, predestination isn't a good word. He says in another place, predestination is a bad word. And I might, I might be repeating myself. Why does he say predestination is a bad word? He says that foreknowledge is a best word, is a better word. And why is it the better word? Because we believe in God. I know you believe in God. Do you believe that he's almighty? Well, yeah, I, I believe he's almighty. Well, do you believe he's all-knowing God? Yes, I do. But I might make a decision that's out of his knowing. No. <laughs> then you haven't got the same God I'm talking about. This God is all-knowing. And, and, and the prophet of God says, and I, I said, I, I may be repeating myself, so I expect that later on again. And he says, now, he's all-knowing. If he's not all-knowing, he's not God. Right. 
And in order to be almighty, he has to foreknow what's going to happen. So that brings the foreknowledge in. That's the key that great theologians missed. Listen, friends. God has elevated you above many that come before you. Many of you have studied and have written volumes and volumes of books, but they keep missing. They keep missing it. That's why I don't understand people talk about uh, the creation. These wise people, I've even heard them on the radio, they talk about, and they start mocking the word of God. They speak of it, well, you know, do you believe that, do you believe, you know, some people actually believe he made it in seven days. Hello, folks. Uh, you've been through universities and everything else and you've missed a period? Hello? You've missed just a period? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Period. He didn't say if he did it in one year, ten years, a million years, a billion years. Who cares? Our duty is to belong, to believe it. We believe it. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Period. So we don't know how long it took. People say, well, what do you think? I don't think about it. I, this is what I was telling my wife just a few days ago. And I, I, maybe I'll be able to explain what I told her. I've come to a great peace, a great rest. And it's not that I'm just older. I've come to a great peace, a great rest. And you know when that really happened? It kind of climaxed when I was not laying on a slab yet. But I was laying on a bed, and I, I knew I was going to go in. They were going to take my heart out and do something. And I thought, I kind of came to a jolt. I've told you this before, but now I tell you in in the context of a scripture. I want to deal with you as smart people, but I've been a little further down the road. And I know that there's a place whether it's Bill Gates and his billions or Alan, his friend, and his billions or or somebody here who's living on the streets of Vancouver who hasn't got a penny, there's one place where everybody finds common ground, and it's, it's called a slab, a cold slab in the mortuary. And you all, and I didn't know but what I was just seconds away from it. You know what? You gotta be there sometime. And I thought, maybe I'm not gonna see my, my children. I, I thought they're my children. Now, whoever gave me life is maybe taking it away. I don't know. And I finally decided I don't know. And I, I say to you, in that state, I thought, the record's been written, and uh, I don't have any regrets. Let me tell you, my friends, you want to be able to say that. And you might be five minutes from that. You might be five years. You might be 50 years from it. It'll go by just like that. 
And then that day comes and you say, uh, I may be in the presence of God. This is what went through my mind in the next few minutes. That's the first thing that came to me. I might be in the presence of God in the next few minutes. And item number two was, maybe I've seen my wife for the last time. Maybe I've seen my children for the last time. I may not see them again. And that was a, that was not just a thought, that was an absolute reality. I, I'm laying here, and I might be in the presence of God in a few minutes, and I might not see my family again. That was a very, very real possibility. And I had, uh, the third thing, I had a peace. And I have to, I have to stay with you and you stay with me. <clears throat> and in the many months that have followed, every once in a while, that peace was so wonderful. That peace that passeth all understanding. I couldn't understand this peace. I'm talking to you now. Every once in a while, I told this to my wife. I turn and I, I say, I want to think about those days. I want to think about that time. And there were some things that, that's why I had to, you brothers, brother Nathan and, and brother, uh, Haynes and, uh, Michael come and sing with me. I wanted to sing uh, the master. I met the master. And that's what I was thinking about while I was laying there. I thought, I met the master. So glad you came to me. I was standing here on this platform looking up in the balcony over there. I don't know why. It was maybe three years ago. I thought, and the congregation was singing. Maybe you were leading, Brother Brian. I I don't know, Brother Ryan, he came to me. You know, there are things that we just, you know, we sing and we just say and scriptures that we just repeat. Listen to me, friends. I'm talking to you now. And I just said, you came to me. You came to me. You knew where I was. You came to me way up in my country. A little kid up in the sticks. You came to me. You came to the woman at the well. I thought of her. That you came to me. I couldn't come to you. I don't know where you... I didn't know how to find you. But you came to me. Friends, that's the God that we serve. That is the God of this message. If I didn't believe that, uh, I would have, I would have been filled with fear, but I was filled with absolute peace. Peace that passeth all understanding. I don't even know how to explain it. Can I go for a few more minutes? You young people and children that are here. Our bodies 
are made up of all cosmic light and petroleum and so forth. Now, I, Brother Milka, you were with me. We were in my office, and there was a professor from the UK here, and he was in there. He actually asked me if I would be his pastor. He had a reason. He wanted to ask me a certain question. And he said, he wanted to write, and he was writing books on the comings of Elijah, the five comings of Elijah. And he had a problem with, that says that our bodies are made of cosmic light and petroleum. He said, our bodies aren't made of petroleum. He said, there's no petroleum in our bodies. <laughs> I didn't argue with him at all. I just thought, well, let a Mack truck run over you and they'll say it was just a little grease spot. <laughs> I thought, well, where the grease spot comes from, maybe there's a little petroleum. I don't know. But this peace is so great that I was just saying to you, there's nothing wrong with saying, I don't know. We don't have to. I was looking at one of our young men and we we're standing in the, I said, you have children in you. You don't know anything about them. You know, are they, what color are they? You know, what color hair are they going to have? What kind of a guy is this going to be? What kind of a girl is it going to be? You don't know. Then good, bad, indifferent, I don't know. Skilled, smart, dumb, beautiful, ugly, I don't know. It doesn't make any difference to me. It's going to be the gift of God. Don't be afraid of saying, I don't know. And I, I found that where prophet said that, a prophet who's actually the mouthpiece of God. He's asked questions. He says, I don't know. He was asked about predestination. I'm going to read it for you. In a few moments. But he said, our bodies are made up of cosmic light and petroleums and so forth, but they come from somewhere. They wasn't here. Then they are, then they are not again. But God knows, this is in the message called pride, but God knows every atom that's holding your body together. Hello bodies. God knows every atom that holds your body together. God knows every atom that's holding your body together. Every speck of light, every corpuscle, every cell, every bit of petroleum, and all the calcium, and phosphate, whatever, everything that goes in a human body that came out of the earth. He knows right where every speck laying, and someday your spirit will be turned loose and it'll scream for its life and not an old man or an old woman. Your spirit's not going to say, oh, come back, old man, old woman. 
No, we'll say, I'm glad I've been released from this. Is this, is this making any sense to you? Now I'm going to go way off. And you might say, oh, Brother Biscoll, he dropped off the deep end. But I have, I have, I have some place, I have some reason for saying this. When God said in the beginning, I'm talking about predestination now. When God said in the beginning, let the earth bring forth. And then here comes a prophet saying, your bodies were laying in the earth. And then it says, and then the potash and the different things began to come together and he begins to describe it. And I have, it might be some of the things I'm going to repeat, but, but he said it begins to, you know, kind of flow and run together and, and then, and God said, right after he says, let the earth bring forth the herb. And then it says again, let them bring forth their creatures, the flying creatures, let the earth bring it forth. Well, he said, well, I learned in science that it was the waters that did it. Well, I don't care what did it. God did it. Whoever he is. God did it. My father did it. My father called for you to come forth. Otherwise, you could not be here. Your mother and dad only were instruments of, of allowing it to happen. And they were instruments that were actually very unintelligent, ignorant instruments. They just did what life and marriage allows. And you came. They didn't know who you were going to be. They didn't know what you were going to be. They didn't know anything about you. And now you're here. You know, why are you here? I'll tell you why you're here. You're here to be a witness of the life of God. You're here to be a testimony that I believe Him. I am one that believes Him. I believe that this is His Word. I believe He's watched over this Word. And there's things in this Word that I don't know. But there's a lot in it that I do know. That's why he had to send a messenger. Now here comes a messenger and he starts way at the beginning, you know, because he even, even that God knows is going to be a great big predestination, going to be a major problem. And he wants to resolve that for you. He wants you to understand it. And that's going to bring you a peace. I'm not just here talking. I'm here telling you. It'll bring you a much needed peace. You got questions. You got decisions. You got, you know, why are certain things? I don't know. I don't know. I had a boy, a young fellow in my office. Some years ago. And I always saw that he was, he was living with his mother and some siblings, but he didn't have a daddy. And his daddy incidentally was in prison. And his daddy got out of prison and called me from Bellingham. And I said, I can, you're quiet and you're listening. I want you to listen. And I said, you left your wife. 
and you were you were bad. And so God just dropped some revelation into my heart. And I said, are you a homosexual? And he said, uh, yes. I said, this thing that you did to your family didn't happen overnight. I said, it spent some years. It spent some years. I didn't know anything about him, but here I'm telling him what he did. And God was helping me. Why? Because God's trying to save him. God's trying to... Well, you understand what I mean? God's reaching out to him. This is God's mercy. He's not willing that any should perish. He doesn't care. I don't know how come he ended up there. That's not for me to know. But I'm dealing with his son, about 10, 12 years old. It's just part of my life. And I said, you spent several years tearing this life, tearing this family apart. Now are you willing to spend a few years building it together? Well, he was, he wasn't too sure about that. And I said, you better be prepared for that. We're not going to step in and put everything together. So I, I was dealing with his son, talking to his son. I said, you haven't got daddy at home. I said, uh, and he was in the school. You that teach at BCA, you might have been here at that time. I'm, I'm, I'm just reaching back into the past now. So don't worry about trying to figure out who, who it is. That's irrelevant. And I said, you don't have your father. And he just took a deep breath and stiffened up. He didn't want to cry in front of me. He was a young man now, and I respected that. And I said, well, I, I really liked him. I had a love that reached out to him. And Sister Biscoll and I sponsored him in the school for several years. He went from that, he went off into someplace else and is he serving God? I that's no, I don't know. I was I was responsible for to do what I needed to do right then. And that was part of the record when I was laying on the bed going in. I don't do I regret that? Not a bit. Did he turn out good boy? I don't know. That's not what we're here for. You that are teaching in the school, you're not teaching because everybody's going to end up as angels. They're going to, you're here to do the best thing you can. So I'm here, I'm here to be full of the Holy Ghost. I'm here to teach these tender lives. I'm here to show them the way. Are you with me? Just so you don't think that I'm, I'll just be a few more minutes. But just so you don't think that I'm way off on a limb someplace, Brother Branham says that God, he's, he's like a contractor. And he's laying out, laying our bodies on the earth, 
right then. He said, let the earth bring forth. He was laying our bodies out. Your body was actually laying out right then. You think he didn't know who you're going to be and what you're going to do and who you are? And then bring some way. <clears throat> He'll bring the message so unique. Only God could think of it. You're down your pathway and you'll see it. And something, look at, look friends, I'm trying to preach, but I don't want to get preaching. I want to talk to you. A woman, a woman is coming to the well. She's coming to a well. You can read it in John, the fourth chapter. So he's coming to the well, and there's a man sitting on the well. Just any kind of man. He's a Jewish man. And he's wearied, and he's sitting on the well. And he's not very dramatic. He doesn't preach her a profound message. He's full of truth. He's a life giver. He's a creator of all things. Just sitting there, watch how he does it. He just sits there, says to the lady, give me to drink. And uh, he said, if you knew who I was, I, I would give you. Then he really became strange. If you knew who I was, you would ask me and I'd give you to drink. And you wouldn't thirst anymore. He says, you haven't got anything to draw with. And the well is deep. She was predestinated. She had a seed in her and she was predestinated to that moment. But even then she's in the middle of that moment, she doesn't realize, I'm going to say something to you. You were predestinated by God to sit in this service and hear what we are hearing and hear what I'm speaking and hear what I'm reading. That's why I want you to really... Say, oh, someone else arranged this meeting. Are you listening? And in a few moments, he said, see, he came, I, 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 I aligned myself with her very much because he came to her. She didn't, she couldn't come to him. He came to her. And she was thirsty. And she didn't even know she was thirsty. Finally, she said, Sir, evermore give me this water. Now she was making some progress. She said, Go and get your husband. She says, I haven't got a husband. That's right. You've had five. She wouldn't make you a very good neighbor. She wouldn't be a very good church member. You've had five and the one you're with now is not your husband. Was he ever coming to her address? She says, sir, I believe you're a prophet. Not only a prophet, the creator. Sitting there listening to some of his creation. It was irrelevant. All the trouble she had had. 
and all the disappointments and all the bad decisions that she had made. But it was irrelevant now when the giver of life was there to bring her to salvation. And he said, uh, if you would ask me and I'd give you the drink. He said, sir, you have nothing. And then she turned religious, as they all do. This is a lesson for you. When you, when you get close to people's needs, spiritual need, they all turn religious. Oh, well, our choir or our, the, we have this song group or we have this minister. That has nothing to do with it. Whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. That has nothing to do with it. This message church, that message church has nothing to do with it. It's between you and he who come to you. And uh, she went on. She said, this was her main problem. And sometimes predestination is a big problem. Very big problem. I'm going to just conclude with that in just a couple of minutes. Now, four or five minutes. But she says, our fathers say we should worship up in this mountain. And you Jews say we should worship in this city. She said, I don't know where to. She wanted to worship God, but she didn't know where to worship him. And he said, the hour cometh. And now is. When they that worship God must worship him in spirit and truth. And she dropped her water bucket. I want to ask you, what caused her to drop her water bucket? What caused her to run into the city? What caused her to say, what was it driving her now? Come see a man that told me all that ever I did. Is this not the Messiah? That was it. That was it. And friends, we're at that hour again. We're there again. Why do you think this prophet messenger, I can try to pick holes through his life and ministry and put things on the internet and God forgive them. They know not what they do either. They're trying to crucify this message. They can do whatever they wish to do. They can't do anything against the almighty God. All the evil they may try to do will only turn to the good. You can't fight against this God. Oh, God, help me. I feel sorry for them. I really do. And I don't have any any feelings. People can say whatever they wish to say. Don't let it affect you. Don't let it bother you at all. We just go on serving God. That's all we do. And some of us, sometimes we make difficult decisions. And I'm standing here as a you call me pastor, I don't feel that way. I don't feel up to it. But nevertheless, there has been doctrines that have come by. Strong, powerful doctrines. 
seven thunders, parousia, all of these things. And people get caught away with it. Listen, friends, I don't discredit them. I don't de-Christianize them. And this is probably the first time I've ever said this over this pulpit. I don't get up here very often. Brother Lee Vale, he's a very precious brother. He was close to Brother Branham when I was right there in the attending a meeting or two. And we would talk about it. But Brother Lee Vale, in fact, is quite a number of brothers, even from this church, got very, very caught with that as being a marvelous truth of him being here. I didn't disregard that. I thought, well, I will listen to those tapes. I will be honest. But as soon as they made a reference of the Bible, I stopped the tape. And we had Brother David Baumless's thick volumes. And I would stop the tape, and I would look through those volumes. You might be saying, what are you preaching about, Brother Biscoll? That's what made this church. I wanted to be honest. I didn't want to deprive you of anything that God had for us. And I, I, I re- also regarded these men as men of God. They, they would see something. If they went off and do what, I have the right to say, well, I think that that's, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go that far. And, and you, you, you say this is a glorious truth. And so I would stop the tape. I would listen to Brother Vale. And you don't know it, but I spent, I spent seven months following this pattern in my own. I didn't involve my wife. I didn't involve my family. I didn't involve the church. I didn't involve the other ministering brothers. But I wanted to be sincere. I wanted to be able to look in the face of God. I don't know whether I had five minutes to live or five years or 50 years, but I wanted to be able to say, I have been honest. I want to know I'm searching out. That's why I handed out some pads this morning for you to make a note. We want to be deathbeds earnest with this message. We don't want to go off on some limb. We don't need to go off on some limb. Say, well, I know this one, or I know that, or I know that. I don't care. We're not responsible for other people. We're not responsible for what goes on in the message. We're responsible for, I have been brought here. I've been foreordained of God to be here. I've been foreordained of God. I've been predestinated in the mind of God. And he came to me. He has come to me. And he's made himself real. He's opened up my hearing. I hear. Hear ye him. And I've recognized this is him. And I recognize this is part of his coming. I've seen those things. You see little tidbits. I've seen uh, John the Baptist. 
you know, way back in maybe 1972, I'm standing in Rome and, uh, and they're showing a picture of someone holding a baby with a halo over his head. It's supposed to be Jesus and, and one standing beside him. And I thought, who is that? So I said to the guide, who is that? He said to John the Baptist, John Baptist. I said, John the Baptist, what has, according to the scripture, was born about the same time as Jesus, maybe six months different. He said, he just said, allegory, 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 allegory. I knew already he was as, why he was as far off the base as he could be. That might be an allegory to you, it's not an allegory to me. John the forerunner. He had to be close. Listen, you folks. Some of you young people that might be here. I might be gone, but you'll remember these words. The forerunner has to be very close to. And he says, this message will introduce Jesus Christ, the bride to Jesus Christ. This message is the introduction message that's going to introduce you to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is that very word. He is, he is the message that we have received. So, so when they began to say, he is here, I could only say, amen. I believe that he's here. I still believe that. I believe that he's here. More than maybe you even realize that he's here. This Christ, he may not be having any more effect on you than he did over on the people in, in Palestine. Oh, friends, my dear friends, let it move you. Let your hearts be moved. Say, I I love you, Lord. I believe all that you've spoken about me. I believe all that you have revealed of the message to me, and even more so. I believe it. I don't understand it all, but I believe it. I'm just going to read some things and then close. But we were, could you just shut the lines down a wee bit? And I want you to read this with me. But we were ordained, predestinated. You know what predestinate means? The the destination of anything was pre-saw. Or we may pre-seen, but pre-saw by God. Amen. That's not skim milk. Do you believe that? That's not skim milk now. Notice, I believe that stumped you. Here he is, way back in 1953, saying, I believe that stumped you. We better go over there just a minute. That's why I'm doing it this morning. Turn over with me to Ephesians, the first chapter, which we read. And let's read just a little, because I'm afraid you're missing that. And just thinking, I'm saying that. I am not. Listen closely now. Now, Paul is speaking, addressing Ephesians 1, directly straight to the shoulder of the church. That's what I, that's what we're doing tonight. This is not for babies. This is for grown-ups 
not for babies. Can you say amen for me? But if we'd only go back to find out when God made his first man, he made man in his own image, and God is a spirit, so he had to make make spirit man. Now, the word is used here in the fifth verse of predestination, predestinated. It's not a very good word for an evangelist or a minister to use because it kind of confuses people when you say predestinate. Predestination looks back to foreknowledge. Foreknowledge looks to destination. Predestination goes back to foreknowledge, and foreknowledge goes to destination. In other words, God didn't say, now, I'll make this man be this, and I'll make this man be that. But in order to be God, he had to know the end from the beginning. So in order to foreknowledge, in order to foreknowledge that he knew, he could say, this will happen, and that will, would happen, because he was God, and knew where everything would be placed. And therefore, he could ordain certain things for certain ages. You believe that? That's truly scripture. The word predestinate. That's not a good word to use. The word foreknowledge is better. Predestination looks back to knowledge. And foreknowledge looks to destination. But but God not making said it in order. A little hole that you have gone to, gone through and can't go no other way. But God, in order to be God, he knowed the end from the beginning. Do you believe that? So he could predict it and set things in order to happen. There are things, friends, God is not willing that any should perish. But God knows all kinds of things. God knows every person that's in the... And actually brought the life. Everybody's in the gay parade. He knows all about the gay parade. He knows all about those, whoever they are, whether they're lesbians or whatever more. But that's not all he said about it. He said any any person wouldn't receive a man's seed. You understand this whole Bible. Now I'm really going to unload a couple of things. This whole Bible all has to do with the seed. Right from the opening verses of the chapter. Of Genesis, it has to do with seed. God's seed or the serpent's seed. That's what it's all about. Thank you. That's the end of that.
I just want to make a couple comments, and then I'm going to close. You know, this, this person that's beside you or this children that you have, and I'm very, very, very taken by the children and the young people. They will be the ones that will continue on this message. Friends, I have a passion for this work. I have a passion for this word. And I want to announce to you I have a passion for the school, for BCA. I have a passion for the camp. I have a passion for this work because this message, for me, it holds the answer that people need. This message holds the strength for you to hang on to, for you to hold and be steadfast. The wisdom of God is revealed and he has brought it right to us in this message. And that is why when you come to the house of God, we should perhaps come differently. We should perhaps come planning to make a note, planning to make a reference to a scripture. And when you pick up a message, it's not background music. That's not what it is. You say, here is the key. And this is what the angel of God has spoken to John. You write to the angel of this church and say this. These things are sealed up, but he will reveal it to us. And you need to ask, oh God, I may not be worthy, but reveal it to me. And after the agony of the of the death of Jesus and his resurrection. Go back, put yourself there. The great apostles, whoever you think is the great apostles in this day, and the great leaders and the disciples of Christ, they were all locked up. They were, their hearts were filled with fear. They're just men. They were discouraged. They were despondent. Their leader had just been killed. And the secretary treasurer of the church had just gone and committed suicide. It wasn't a place that was not a group of people you wanted to be connected with. But one thing for sure, when that apostle John wrote, he said, we know that we are of God. That's what you have to know. I know that we are of God. There is no other message like this anywhere on earth. This is the message. And I'm not, I'm say all are going this direction and the whole world is going into Sodom and whatever more. If you understand and let it be a, a clearer understanding to you. When we talk about people going away from, and it's just Sodom and so on, what is it? It's man with man. It's over seed. When you talk about all the lesbianism or whatever is gripping, or this transgender, whatever more. It's seed, seed, seed. That's what it's all about. And it's a great battle between God and righteousness and Satan 
his arch enemy in heaven. That's why he's been cast down here. And the prophet of God said it has fallen. This battle has fallen on the children of men. It has fallen onto us. And we, we make certain decisions, yes. But God has already, has already spoken. Who I bless. I'm going to bless those that believe me. I'm going to bless them and, and there's no way that they can come out of the blessing. They're blessed. That's all there is to it. I say to you, young and old alike, parents alike, hear me now. Be in a place of where God's blessing is flowing. That's all we need to do. And I just, by God's grace, I, that is my intent. That's my purpose. That's why I feel that we've been predestinated. I can tell you one thing, friends. I can tell you one thing. The God that required me to come here. I did not come without some resistance. I thought, what's going to happen to my family? I don't have a profession. I don't have... It was like I was jumping off a deep end. And great temptations came my way to me. They were not even temptations. And we came here. I know one thing. I have been called to this place. I know that. I know... And you people have been wonderful people. I wanted to thank you. I prayed for you. I prayed for you, Matthew. I prayed for you up in the balcony. I prayed for the deacons. I prayed for you, trustees. And when the camera first came on you, Brother West Nygaard, I prayed for you and your wife, Sister Diane. I don't know if that means anything, but I pray for you. I thank you. God bless you. God bless you as you uphold this message, this testimony. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. God bless you, brother John. That's why we have fathers of the faith. Amen. Direction, vision, burden, it's powerful. And we received that this morning, Brother Ed. We loved it, and we we see the hand of God in it. And as God directed him to speak this morning, our pastor, God had us here to hear what we needed to hear. Maybe we could all stand and say, He came to me. Let's just sing that. He came.
goes on, we start to realize the impact of what God's given us. We can look in the Old Testament and we can see that God was in a burning bush. And Moses could sing this song this morning. He came to me. Or we could look at Gideon. And an angel of the Lord was sitting right in the path. God knew exactly where Gideon was going to come. And Gideon could sing the song, He came to me. And then we have a pastor, we have a man of God, where God sent a prophet in this generation knowing exactly what was on his heart and what his desire and what his vision was. can sit on a log and we could sing this with our pastor, He came to me. We can see it all throughout the scriptures, the woman at the well. We can just rejoice this morning because we've all here because Jesus Christ came to me. Let's just sing it before we have a word of prayer. He came to me, predestinated of God. He came to me, of our heavenly Father. Spirit interrupted your life and how you could say, He indeed came my way. And now what we heard this morning has made it more alive, made it more real, made it more personal, that we can say from the depths of my soul, I couldn't come to where he was, but the word of God came by my way. God opened my eyes to see his glory. And you want to worship him, you just want to lift up your voice, you want to thank him, Lord Jesus. Six billion people on the face of the earth. Six billion people on the face of the earth. But God, rich in mercy, predestinated his word to come by your way so that you could rejoice in his presence and give him all the glory and honor. Lord, with our hands lifted up, with our voices lifted up, with our hearts lifted up in thanksgiving. Lord, for a word that we heard this morning, we have been chosen, elected by Almighty God himself. Lord, you laid out the plan so wonderfully this morning. We're thankful for a pastor that has a burden for his children. And Lord, we just pray that you'll be his strength and be his portion as we believe that, Lord, that you knew exactly what we had need of to hear this morning from the word of life. Would you strengthen him? Would you continue to revelate him? Lord, may we so learn to appreciate him so much more as these days go on. We're thankful for his life. We're thankful for his wife. We are thankful for the church of God, that Lord that has come and has been been ordained of God. 
So, Father, we just want to thank you this morning for thus saith the Lord, for a message that is true, for a people that are holding on. Lord, would you receive our thanksgiving this morning, and we thank you for your word in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, I lift your name, your holy name. Lord, I lift of the world as your prophet taught us Lord we were in the thoughts of God beyond the eons of time and we've been privileged Lord to be living in this hour that we could proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ is alive and well and so Lord Jesus as we see the the blending of time into eternity may we press the battle like we've never pressed it before may young men raise up lord proclaiming this gospel as true the world is in their confusion but god you send a message lord to give us clear direction and understanding and the very mind of god so lord this evening as brother Tim will minister, myself, down in Seattle. We just pray, God, that your grace will be upon us, that we would not speak words of man, but we would speak words of life. Bless your children as they go their separate way. Give them a wonderful afternoon, and may you be glorified through our lives. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One last song before we go and shake one another's hand. He knows my name. He knows your name. I am a
afternoon till we see you again. God bless you.